I still felt uh, stymied or handcuffed or boxed in by the things that had happened to me. And I didn't want us to come out of this and then have everyone just sort of, okay, we got through COVID. We haven't changed the way we're living. We haven't learned anything about what can actually make us healthier. So when the next pandemic that comes along, and, and like you said there, I do firmly believe that. I think we're about to begin a cycle of pandemics like we've never seen before. And I'll explain why. That I wanted people to have a tool in their hand that if they read my book, they could be more prepared and less scared the next time it happened. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Dr. Chris Lebowski. And Chris is a naturopath, chiropractor, clinical herbalist, and homeopath with a medical practice in Southern Oregon called Ashland Natural Medicine. And at the clinic, Dr. Lebowski and his staff use cutting edge technology blended with traditional therapies with a particular specialty in the treatment of chronic Lyme disease, mold illness, cancer, neurological disorders, and most commonly, mystery diseases that other doctors have been unable to diagnose. When he isn't working up a difficult case or staring into his microscope or spending time with his wife and, and their two children, you can find Dr. Lebowski climbing up the rocks or skiing down the mountains of Southern Oregon and Northern California. And by the way, he has an amazing new book that is on the way called The Virus and the Host. Chris, welcome to the show. Drew, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I'm, I'm very happy to have you with me today. And uh, I'd, I'd love to start by just getting a little bit on your background because, Chris, we've had, you know, on the show, we've had naturopaths, we've had chiropractors, we've had herbalists, but you literally do, do it all. Um, I, I'd love to get your background on some of these different healing modalities that you've, uh, that you've been practicing. Sure. So I started my career as a chiropractor. And as I got partway through the training, I realized I was going to need more to be able to treat the illness that is prevalent on the planet today. And so then I went on to study homeopathy, which is one of the main modalities I use. I then went to naturopathic school and got a naturopathic degree through that process, learned a lot about herbs, and then studied a bunch of other treatments and therapies. And I'm always learning new things because honestly, people on the planet are getting sicker and sicker and the old things aren't necessarily working anymore. And, or we need a combination of multiple modalities to pull people out of complex chronic disease. It's just, you can't just give someone a cup of dandelion tea and tell them to exercise more and undo most of the ills that are now plaguing the people of the earth. Hmm. So, so when someone just out of curiosity, when someone comes into your clinic, you'll, you'll use all these tools. You'll, you'll kind of see what's going on and just, you'll pull different tools out of your toolbox to work, to work with them. Yeah. I sit down with them. I spend two hours. I go through, I take a very long in-depth history. I let them speak 
um, you know, uninterrupted for a very long period of time. Then I follow up with many detailed questions. So I understand every single symptom as well as I can. Then I do a in-depth physical examination. I look at their blood under the microscope and then we choose, you know, then I get to sit down and think about, well, what, what's going on with this person? What are the layers of their disease? And then what modalities am I going to pick? And in what order, because the order matters too. I often think about complex cases like a Rubik's cube. You have to do one thing and then you got to do the next thing and then you got to do the next thing. So yeah, I use all those different lenses to try and bring people out of you know the sickest people that we see uh, mm-hmm. back to an elevated state of health and vitality. Chris, I wanted to start with your your book, and by the way, it's very well written. It's it's a very well written book. It really holds holds your interest, and I felt like from the introduction of the book, even you had this very dramatic. I've I found it to be very dramatic opening where. Back in um, December 2019, Chris, you're you're in your office and you're seeing all of these spikes in this in this virus that's going on that really people didn't know about too much about back in December 2019. But it was very dramatic the way you described it and how these numbers are going up and you're making preparations in your office because you know something is coming, something big is coming. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about that. What that what that whole experience was like back in uh, December of 2019. Dramatic's a good way to put it. I was paying attention. I've always been had an interest in pandemics. They've been something I've been curious about my whole career. Being a homeopath, being an herbalist, you know, traditionally all the pandemics that have gone through the planet, those are the tools that we had. And so really the legacy of people treating pandemics was out of the homeopathic and the herbal tradition. So I'm sort of steeped in it from the very beginning. And as I've watched smaller pandemics evolve over the course of my career, MERS, H1N1, and you know, dipped my toe in in the treatment of those, when I started to read these reports out of China in December 2019, I was terrified. I just could feel it in my bones that this was the big one. The way it was being reported, the um, description of the symptomatology, the fact that it was out of China where you really can't get good quality information, all of this led to a deep fear inside of me. And so I did exactly as you described. I started ordering more oxygen tanks. I started stocking up on the botanical medicine that the little clues we could get out of the Chinese doctor about what herbs were working. I started researching drugs. I started looking at all the possible things we could use to help our patient base to stay safe through this thing. And, you know, I was, I felt alone for about two months because most of the doctors I knew, they weren't really paying attention to it. The average person had no idea about it. I didn't want to talk with my wife about it because I was scared it would freak her out. So I was sort of in this little box for a couple of months. Um, You know, I felt like chicken little a little bit. And then as time went on and other people started to pay attention to it and I started to treat patients, you know, we've treated now I lost count. I stopped counting, but we've probably treated 800 patients with COVID since the beginning of the thing. I started seeing patients. I started to see what was working and I started to, you know, my, I started to calm down a little bit 
because I realized the same principles that apply with other viral infections were also applying with SARS-CoV-2. So that was my very dramatic beginning to the pandemic. <laughs> well, and, it's, and it was great because, um, Chris, you said, you know, your, your protocol worked really well. Like your protocol was working really, really well with your patients. And you said in your book, you said you had some key principles that you were following. And just, just to kind of share what you, what, you, what you said is you make sure the bowels and the kidneys are moving. Of, interestingly, avoid suppressing the fever. Let um, and and also bring down inflammation. So so those were some some of the big keys for you. Absolutely, absolutely, and those apply in all acute viral infections. So, you know, the, a lot of the thrust of my book is about detoxification and recognizing that viruses have this unique relationship with the body. There is a a very interesting relationship in the fact that the more toxic a person is, typically the more severe reaction they have to a virus. We can go into more detail with that if you're interested. But in the simplest sense, in this viral infection, COVID-19 and or any other one, you wanna make sure that the body can discharge the products that are being made from the infection. So if the person is constipated or they're not sweating or they're in stage three kidney failure, you have to work on all those things right there in the moment to make sure the body can get rid of the detritus that's being created from the infection itself and then the secondary byproducts from your immune system. You don't typically wanna suppress a fever in the midst of an infection. Fever is one of the body's most powerful tools to help upregulate the production of white blood cells, you know, our army, to upregulate the production of cytokines, to essentially try and clear the infection as quick as possible. Now that's not saying we don't ever suppress a fever or we would never do that. But for the most part, if you can let a fever run and let it get up nice and high for a little while, the patient will do better and they'll come out of the infection quicker. And then there's the inflammatory piece. You know, we know, all of us know this. We've all looked at this with COVID. We've all read about it. Everybody knows about this now that inflammation was one of the things that really caused a lot of problems in patients, right? You read about the cytokine storm. You heard about these things. Well, inflation, in, inflammation is important in the body, but we can't let it run unchecked either. So we have to make sure we're modulating that. And we have so many good plants and nutraceuticals that do that thing. So, you know, COVID-19 really was a naturopathic disease. It was something that we could manage really well with all the tools we have from the natural world as well as some of the allopathic or over-the-counter medications too. Mm. That, that's, that's great. You know, you know, early on in the pandemic, um, Chris, I was following uh, someone who I've read a bunch of his books, Dr. David Brownstein, sure. um, who's, who's, read a who's written a bunch of great books. And uh, he had a great protocol too, that he was, he was sharing it online and he was having testimonials. And, and and he was threatened to, I believe, be sued and shut down. And he he literally had to pull everything off the web. And he had this great protocol that was helping his patients. Is that anything you ran into <laughs> as far as, um, you know, when you were having this success early on? Were, were, um, did you have any sort of backlash against uh, what you were doing? Dr. Brownstein and I have a lot in common, and that's one of the things. So, 
in May of 2020, we received a letter from the Federal Trade Commission telling us that we needed to cease and desist immediately speaking about anything we were using to treat COVID-19. That was then followed up a week later from a letter from the Oregon Department of Justice telling us the same thing and that we were under investigation for telling people to take vitamin D, zinc, vitamin <laughs> C. I know, and it's funny now that we have this sort of, we can look back and see that that is common knowledge that's everywhere now. Mm -hmm. But at the time, there were, there was about 100 clinics in the US who all simultaneously received the same letters under threat of investigation and a minimum fine of $20,000. Mm. So I hired an attorney as well as a bunch of my colleagues did too. Um, you know, in short, we were at the time, we were forced to take information down. We were forced to not speak publicly about what we had found was working. I was not allowed to put into print and or, you know, broadcast the things that we found were working. Mm. Extremely distressing, extremely yeah. distressing to me as a physician whose primary job is to take care of my patients. And that's all we were trying to do was to make sure that people saved, stayed safe and survived this infection. And to date, we have not lost a single patient to COVID. Amazing. Yeah, that's pretty sad. So in Chris, you know, in your book, you do such a great job of explaining can I read a little bit? Can I read like a couple sentences? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, the book doesn't come out till September 21st, but um, I think you're allowed to read a little bit out of it. I don't think I'll get in trouble with my publisher. <laughs> I know Chelsea Green. They, they've been awesome. They've been a, they've been a sponsor of ours, and um, oh. but I'm, I'm I'm only gonna read one one sentence, and 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 I don't even need necessarily need to read it. I can just kind of summarize. But I, I love how you said the reason you wrote the book is simply because you're afraid that we're not going to learn the lesson from this this pandemic. And along those same lines, you also say how it's not a matter of, I mean, you say it's not a matter of if another thing shows up down the pike that could be even worse, um, simply based on the fact of the way we're living so out of balance with every with nature and the body. That 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 was such a great that's such a powerful statement, Chris. About you know you're you're afraid that we're just not going to learn the lesson, what th that this pandemic could teach us, in, in particular in light of the fact that something else could show up, you know, right down the pike. Yeah, that is exactly why I wrote the book because I felt though I was treating patients and they were getting well and we were having lots of success, I still felt uh, stymied or handcuffed or boxed in by the things that had happened to me. And I didn't want us to come out of this and then have everyone just sort of, okay, we got through COVID. We haven't changed the way we're living. We haven't learned anything about what can actually make us healthier. So when the next pandemic that comes along, and, and like you said there, I do firmly believe that. I think we're about to begin a cycle of pandemics like we've never seen before. And I'll explain why that I wanted people to have a tool in their hand that if they read my book, they could be more prepared and less scared the next time it happened. And that's exactly the way I designed the book. You know, there's a bit of a story at the beginning. There's, uh, you know, I lay some things out in the first few chapters, but really the second half of the book is a guidebook about how to get yourself healthy so you can survive anything that's coming along. That's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. Yeah, and you do such a great job of it. This episode's sponsor is Microbiome Labs. For the last nine years, Microbiome Labs has been committed to advancing understanding of the human microbiome. They're at the helm of innovation, putting new formulations and technology in the hands of healthcare practitioners and patients. Among many other novel innovations, MBL can now help improve the gut-brain connection with their ZenBiome Cope and ZenBiome Sleep products. Maybe it's been a while since you've re-examined your probiotic choices, the science around the microbiome or novel solutions that are coming out every day. Microbiome Labs will be here at the forefront of science, continuing to pioneer health in this space. For more about this strain and other gut microbiome products, just visit microbiomelabs.com. And as a special bonus for the Drew Perlman Show listeners out there, receive 15% off your total order from Microbiome Labs by just using the discount code that is in the show notes. You know, um, you talk a lot about rebooting our health. And for anybody that hasn't read the book yet, I mean, well, they haven't read the book because it hasn't come out yet, but hopefully people will, will read the book when it does come out. But okay, so someone listening to this, Chris, where do, where do you think we start? Someone who's really just, you know, sort of in that confused about where to go next. How do we reboot our health? Sure. Well, here's the underlying premise too. I'll give it away here is that we are toxic. Babies born on the planet today, the environmental working group did a study in 2009 and they looked at the stored cord umbilical blood of a bunch of random babies from across the country. And on average, they found that there are over 200 chemicals in a baby's bloodstream by the time they leave the womb. That's over 10 years ago. The numbers I'm sure would be higher now. So fundamentally, we have more toxicity in our body than we have ever had in the history of the planet. That toxicity creates inflammation. That toxicity depresses our immune system function. That toxicity specifically makes us susceptible to viral infections. And that toxicity directly leads to the most common disease processes on the planet, cardiovascular disease, cancer, and neurodegenerative disorders. So the takeaway here is one, we need to stop that stuff from coming into our bodies in the first place. And two, we need to know how to safely figure out what's in there, and then three, remove it from our bodies. If we do that, we have a much better chance of not dying of cancer, not dying of cardiovascular disease, and not being susceptible to pandemic-style viruses. So that's the first big thing that people need to take away from this, and the book shows you how to do that thing. There's all the other pieces of good health about rebooting your health, you know, and um, I was watching a video this morning. I get up early, watch the sunrise, have a cup of coffee. And I was watching a guy who was 100 years old saying, you know, the key to living to be 100 years old is eating vegetables. And I go, well, yeah, that's great. We should all eat vegetables. We should all eat lots of organic vegetables. But that is not the only key to good health. You can have plenty of people that eat nothing but vegetables and they're going to live to be 65 years old. So, Good health and rebooting your health has lots of different pieces. And I know that doesn't sell books, and I know that's not a catchphrase, but it's the truth and it's the reality is that 
we need to eat good, clean, organic food all the time. And, and that food's different for everybody. Everybody's diet's a little bit different. There's some principles. I lay them out in the book, but it's different for everybody. We need to move our bodies. We have to exercise. You gotta move, move or die. You have to have access to and consume lots of good quality water, absolutely. You have to be fulfilled spiritually, emotionally, and in your work. You have to reduce your body's inborn burden. And this is something that a lot of people don't talk about. I go into detail in the book. You're in, in your burden of infectious disease too. You know, we are arguably more bacteria, fungus, parasites, and virus than we are human cells. And those can be our friends or they can be our foes. And so you need to spend every day too balancing the virome, the fungome, the biome in your body using plants and remedies and nutraceuticals because when we get out of balance enough, when we're inflamed enough, we're eating a crappy enough diet, we're stressed enough, those critters grow out of control and they're often what kill people or take them down. You know, we find bacteria in arterial plaques in cardiovascular disease. We know there's a bunch of pathogens that directly lead to cancer. So, you know, as scientists, as physicians, we need to start to pay more attention to that. What's growing inside of us has, is a huge determinant of what happens to us with our health. Without question. So rebooting, I, I think rebooting our health is multifactorial. It's, it's not pretty, it's not easy to put a little bow on, but you have to sort of pay attention to all of those factors. Mm. Yeah, well said. And I, and I love how you, you know, you, you're just getting into it now, but you, in the book, you bring up this whole notion of the pathogen partners. And I heard it from someone I've studied with a while, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, and how she really um, just goes into, we, we have this, you know, in, in conventional medicine, this whole like name and kill, basically name the pathogen versus like, just, it, we, we, you know, we're alive because of these microbes and they're, they're giving us life, but it's, but it's, as you said, it's more about bringing balance, balance to the, uh, the, the, the microbiome. Yeah. I spend a fair amount of time in the beginning of the book sort of rectifying the, the two predominant theories about that germ theory and terrain theory, which honestly, after doing this for 15 years, neither one of them is completely correct. I think we really need to have a synergistic one that pulls in some of the tenets of germ theory and some of the tenets of terrain theory. I call it the biological equilibrium theory, where we recognize that there is there are germs that can kill you, no matter how imbalanced you are. Though how imbalanced you are very much dictates the ability of many of the other pathogens and their, whether they're going to be your partner and they're gonna help you by creating vitamins and creating a, a nice environment for healthy tissue, or if they're gonna become a pathogen and cause problems. And so once again, it's not as simplistic or easy to just say, you know, Louis Pasteur, all that matters is the germ, or Antoine Bechamp, all that matters is the terrain. It's not that clean. And I honestly think at this point in our evolution, we need to be able to be a bit more nuanced. 
a bit more able to walk the middle path and say, I don't have to fall off to the left or the right. I don't have to fall off to the red or the blue. I can walk something in the middle that recognizes that both of these things are important and therefore I can have the most comprehensive view of the human body. Um, we just, it's too easy for us to get lazy and, and say <laughs> one thing's right and the other thing's wrong. And that's just not the case. That's great. That's such a great way of putting it. Because um, I know, Chris, you do a lot of work with Lyme and, and different things, Lyme disease and mystery yeah. diseases. Um, so, I mean, there are things, like you said, there are things out there that can do us harm. Um, but but that's such a that's such a great way of putting it. Well, let's talk and about we, Lyme for one second, because it's a great example. If we have time, yeah, you know, Borrelia burgdorferi and the other species of Lyme on the planet, there's lots of them. And they've been around for a really long time. The, the caveman they found, you know, the 10,000 year old man that was frozen in the ice that they found a long time ago. You read about it in National Geographic a decade ago. He had Borrelia in his body, you know? So this, this thing's been with us for a long time. And it's been my personal experience living in a part of the country where Lyme is endemic. We have a lot of Lyme in Southern Oregon, Northern California. We have a lot of it around the planet, a lot more than people recognize. A lot of people have Borrelia in their systems and it doesn't do anything. You would have no evidence that they have any symptoms from it whatsoever. And I found that out the hard way in practice because I used to, anytime I found Lyme, I just treated it. You know, I kind of went to the allopathic meta, find Lyme, treat the Lyme, kill the Lyme. And what I found over a long period of time is actually that many people that have Lyme, if I clear them up of their mold illness, if I detoxify them of their heavy metals, if I work on their endocrine system, if I get their gut really healthy, it doesn't look like they have Lyme anymore. They no longer have Lyme symptoms. So I'm not saying that's for all people. For some people, Borrelia is devastating. It's a thing comes along and maybe it's a particular species, maybe it's their particular immunological makeup. But for a lot of people that it really, if you get the terrain really healthy, then the germ matters less. That's great. That's so great. Yeah, there's so much to go, so much to to talk about, Chris. This this book, you know, I, I'm really interested. So so we've had some herbalists on the show, Cat Cat Mare, um, a while back. She she was awesome, um, and she had. It, it, I'm just interested to to note, like if you had to. I think, I think we talked about this as well. I talked about this with her, but if like you were, if you could only put three herbs in your backpack to take with you, uh, maybe in the face of a pandemic or, or just, just for, you know, just to be really healthy, do you have some go-to herbs that you'd be like, well, if, if I'm in the middle of something, the, these are, these are my go-tos that I want to have with me. Are there a couple that really stand out to you? It's such a great question. <laughs> it, it might surprise you a little bit because a lot of the premise of the book, and I do a deep section on herbs, you know, I have a whole chapter on herbs and they're, the herbs might surprise people when they're reading a book about a virus, because typically when you, you're talking about viruses, you're talking about antiviral herbs. You're talking about things like licorice. You're talking about things like lemon balm. You're talking about these plants that we know have a ability to downregulate the production of viruses. And I don't talk about those. What I'm talking about in the book is I'm talking about the plants that help us detoxify so we can be prepared for the next virus. And so 
honestly, the I, I have a giant medicinary here in Ashland, and you know, all day long I'm pouring tinctures of herbs into my tea. You know, I'm taking little doses of medicine all day long. And so, you know, before I came in to do my interview with you, I put a little bit of dandelion in my tea. Dandelion to me is, it's the archetypal most important plant really, because it's perceived as a weed. It grows everywhere without having to propagate it. And it is so absolutely wonderful in the fact that it is gentle and yet a powerful detoxifier of the blood and the liver and the lymph. And so if I could impart to, to one message to everyone that's listening today is get familiar with dandelion. You can grow it in your backyard. If there haven't been any pesticides applied there, you can cultivate it yourself. And dandelion is something that you can take every day that will gently and slowly detoxify your system and make you a healthier person. So, so would you take the, um, are you take, what part of the dandelion, um, plant are you, are you using, are you eating it? Like, I mean, I'll take it from the, from the backyard and put it in my salad. Um, but are you, um, how are you consuming it? Yeah. So dandelion's interesting. A lot of plants have this dichotomy with it in that the roots have slightly different properties than the leaves and that the time of year in which we harvest them also matters. So you know, most of the energy of the plant in the winter months and before it blooms is down in the root, of course. And so that's when most of the medicinal properties come from the root. Once it's sprung up and you're seeing the leaves and the flowers, you get more of, of the medical properties up in those um, parts of the plant. And I love that dandelion greens and salad. I mean, that it tastes great. It's a nice bitter plant and you get a lot of the medicinal properties from it. So I, I advocate for using that also. But essentially what you do is you pull uh, the dandelion up. Let's say you're taking it up in early spring, pull it out of the ground, clean off the excess dirt, wash it off, and then you can macerate it, let it dry, macerate it, grind it, both the root and the leaves. They have slightly different properties. And then you can put that in a jar or container and then put it in your you know, reusable tea bag or reusable tea ball and make a tea out of it all year round. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. All right. You've, you've motivated me. I'm going to get going on that. Oh, yeah. I love it. You, watch, you know, people that have elevated liver enzymes, we put them on dandelion, their liver enzymes drop. People that have mm. kidney failure, you know, stage two, stage three kidney failure, you put them on some dandelion, you give them some magnesium, some B6, you can turn around kidney failure. We have so many amazing, simple tools for the most predominant problems on the planet that don't get talked about or honestly get silenced as we talked about earlier. And it's, it's our birthright to be able to use these simple things to keep ourselves healthy. That's why I want people to read the book. You know, I want people to have tools. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, couple more questions here. Um, what are some of the date? Well, we talked about it in the beginning, but what are some of your daily practices that you do every day to keep you grounded and just feeling alive? Sure. Well, when the weather permits, I like to watch the sunrise and I like a little, do a little, my sunning technique where I close my eyes and then I look into the sun for a little bit to try and improve my eyesight. There's some good research to say that that helps with improving our eyesight. 
I like to exercise almost every single day. I'm a firm believer that we should move our bodies. And whether that's me riding my bike to work or going for a run, sometimes doing both, I like to exercise almost every single day. And then, you know, one of my favorite practices that I do all the time, I call it dropping a pin. Uh, I believe that you can't get to somewhere unless you know where you're going. And so one of the visualizations I do is I picture myself and my family or my clinic at some point in the future where I want to see it. You know, I want to see my family thriving and healthy and with me having grandchildren and my wife and I having a wonderful relationship. And so I picture us in that place and I picture it as dropping a pin like you would on your phone or an app where you're, you know, you, uh, you leave a marker on a map. And so I, I figure that if I put those things out in the future, I can find a way there now. So that's something I do all the time. Mm. And, and that you just, just close your eyes and just visualize that in your, in your mind, take, take some time to do that. Correct. Yeah. Very nice. That, that's, that's very cool. If someone listening is feeling a little hopeless, a little powerless about their life, about their future. And they, and they were with you, Chris, what might you tell them? You know, we are standing at an extremely interesting time in the evolution of the human race. We are going through things that we may not have ever gone through before. And I believe we're about to go through some things that we have never seen before. Economically, in the government, in healthcare, things are things are going to look rocky. I think for the next, I don't want to put a date on it, but for the next while, things are going to look rough. We're going to see food shortages. We're going to see electrical blackouts. We're going to see society as a whole getting rocked in ways that in our lifetimes we've never seen. But that being said, I firmly believe that this is the shaking up that the planet needs this is the removal of old structures that are no longer serving us. This is the removing of a medical system that is broken, of a governmental system that is broken, of a, a system where very few people on the planet make the decisions for the rest of the planet. All of that needs to go away. And you can't just get there one day living the way we are and then have it flip over to being utopia. So it's going to take some time to get there. So I try and remind people of all the time is just stay grounded, do your good health practices and recognize it. It's going to look shaky for a little while, but we're going towards the light. We're at the end of a giant cycle and we are heading towards the light. It is inevitable. The forces of darkness know this and they are running for the hills because it's about to be time for a very, very different planet. One that I'm excited to live on. That's cool. That's a great soundbite. I, I could just, that was fantastic. I love that. Um, Chris, final question is uh, if you could go back in time, say 35 years or so, what words of wisdom would your current self want to share with your younger self 35 years i'd be 13 start studying now there is so much to know in medicine the the 
practices that I practice, homeopathy, herbalism, nutrition, it's infinite. You can never know enough about it. So I wish I had gotten the jump start on all of those things uh, 30, you know, however many years earlier that I could have done. So yeah, I think that would be my advice. Um, maybe do more sit-ups too. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so Chris, um, if people want to find out more about you, want to reach you, um, we'll, we'll definitely put a link to the book um, as well, but where, where can they go to learn more about you? Sure. Yeah. So, um, we have a medical practice in Southern Oregon. Our website is ashlandnaturalmedicine.com. There's a biography on there about me. There's links to lots of videos we've made over the years. We have some stuff on YouTube. If you want to find the book, it's called the virus and the host. It's coming out on September 21st, Chelsea greens, the publisher. You can pre-order now through the Chelsea Green website. You can go to bookstore.com. You can go on Amazon and pre-order the book uh, through any of those places. Uh, those are the, yeah, those are the big spots to look for me. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's an honor. Oh, it's great to be here, Drew. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.